In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Assalamu alaikum. This is The Conviction Project, a podcast where we leave you with no doubts about Islam. My name is Maraj Rana. And I am Farhan Iqbal. I recently read something by Sam Harris. And, you know, Sam Harris uh, is a new atheist, for those that don't know him. And he is actually quite a strong opponent of Islam. But he recently released this article, which I thought was really cool, where, you know, he talks about this ecstasy component of Islam. He talks about this art that's present in Islam. And a lot of people, he says, are inspired by some of the teachings of Islam. And they have these beautiful poetry. So he talks about, you know, the azan as being this part of like this beauty um, that's present, especially the, the azan of the dawn time. So for Fajr prayer. And he really likes this and he thinks that, you know, this is a beautiful thing. Uh, then he talks about, you know, the poetry of Baba Bulisha. He talks about Rumi and, you know, very common Western ideas of what Islam is. Um, and interestingly enough, in that same article, he talks about a horrific side of Islam, a side of Islam which, you know, has a lot of punishments and has a lot of evil and torture. And, you know, um, we've been talking in our previous episodes about wife beating, so flogging, all these things. He said, you know, that is what Islam really is, and that's the dangerous side of Islam that we should all stay away from. So, you know, I thought we would change gears for a bit and and talk about this for a little bit, you know, talk about this idea of punishment in religion, this idea of harsh punishment. Why are there such harsh things that are present in religion and what is the need for them? What is the cause for them? So, you know, I thought we would begin our conversation here. So, you know, Farhan, what do you think about this idea of why is there harsh punishment? Because how do you reconcile living where you live in the state where you are um, that we could still have a society or a belief system which believes on such harsh forms of punishment? Actually, when you when you mention harsh punishments, I, I I'm wondering what our listeners are thinking about, and I think I think it needs to be said before we start this conversation that uh, there are many misconceptions about those punishments, and we need to critically analyze what what we believe the harsh punishments are, because many cases they may they may not even exist. Right. Uh, for instance, some people may believe that according to Islamic teachings, if someone commits adultery, he or she should be killed, uh, should have the death uh, penalty. 
there are others uh, who commonly believe that uh, apostasy, someone who, who, who leaves Islam, should be given the death sentence. And these are the kinds of uh, misconceptions that are out there. And uh, from the Ahmadiyya Muslim perspective, at least, because we are Ahmadiyya Muslims, from our perspective, at least, these punishments don't exist. So what, right? you, what you're telling me is that if someone decides to leave Islam after having been born a Muslim, the punishment for that is not death. It's not death. And it's, it's, it's actually commonly understood to be death by a lot of people. A lot of people, um, you know, just, just to g- g- give, an, give a short uh, incident, uh, some time back I was talking to, a, to an atheist about Islam. And uh, we were having a very good, frank conversation over a cup of coffee. And uh, about half an hour into the conversation, so imagine, he didn't even mention this in the beginning. He said, okay, Farhan, I'm going to throw a curveball at you, right? And I was like, maybe he's going to ask me, maybe even about the verse that we talked about in the last podcast, uh, which is uh, which is a little bit hard to to deal with. And, and and he said, what is the punishment for apostasy in Islam? Right. And in his mind, he thought that it is death. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of uh, Muslims also believe that uh, some Muslim countries have made laws of that kind some some years ago in afghanistan there was this law that was passed and the whole western world was uh, really surprised and shocked at this and they they respond so so when it when we come to when we, when you talk about harsh punishments first of all they have to be defined what what harsh punishments are we talking about maybe the ones that i believe are part of islam are not part of islam but that takes a longer one by one case by case approach Having said that, um, why are these harsh punishments there in the first place? I think the response to that, uh, that, uh, that Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, the former head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, he, has, he has responded to this. He has said that harsh punishments are like a deterrent, right? So instead of uh, giving lighter punishments to many, many criminals and throwing them all in the jail, Give a harsh punishment to one criminal, and it will call. It will be a deterrent, and it will prevent others from doing the same uh, crime. That's the philosophy behind it. Uh, in general, if if in principle, if you want to talk about this, that's a philosophy that uh, one harsh punishment prevents more crime than lighter punishments given to a larger number of people. So it's more or less, um, you know, this idea that. Um, if you set an example of one person, the crowd will, will in a way be afraid of that punishment and, and through fear, they will not do whatever crime it is. So that's interesting to me because, uh, you know, I think of the criminal justice system in the United States where, you know, um, one third of a population is incarcerated in jail um, so you're saying that the counter to such an idea is that if one person was, you know, given the death penalty, for example, um, they would not do it. But, you know, I think about your your this philosophy idea. So in Western world, we've moved back from this idea of punishment by death. So, you know, we, we stop the death penalty and that that is seen as a way forward. 
So what are your thoughts on when, you know, we have the death penalty, uh, removing, ab- abolishing the death penalty is a, seen as progress. Do you not think that it is progress? Yeah, I would, I would, I would be opposed to that. I, I think, I think uh, this is not uh, necessarily, uh, this is a, this is up for debate. I think even in the U.S., for instance, there are some states which still have the death penalty. And, uh, you know, it, 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 I, think, I think it gets really emotional for, for some families. If uh, someone is being brutally kill, killed by someone, the family members may not necessarily be content with that person just surviving. And, and, and they would want that person to have the death penalty. I know in Canada, we don't have it. Uh, so it's a big, uh, it's, it's still a, a big question, at least in some countries. In Canada, not many people talk about it. Uh, so, so yeah, from the Islamic perspective, giving the death penalty uh, is a deterrent and it prevents other people from committing the same crimes. If a person knows that he commits a certain crime and he's going to get the death penalty, it will be more of a deterrent as compared to someone who's thinking that even if I do it, I'm just going to go to jail. And, right? you know, I, I've heard of uh, really strict punishments. And, and what you're saying makes sense, because I think there, there's an Eastern country, I'm not sure if it's China or Thailand, where if you're caught with drugs, um, you get the death penalty for, for having drugs on you. And a lot of people, they're afraid of that when they go from Canada, that they're not making sure that that does not happen to them in any circumstance, because they know what the punishment for that is. There is a there is a counter argument as well, but because you know if if you say China for instance, then people have objections to the way that they are doing this, and they 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 believe that it it goes too far in some cases, it becomes oppressive in some cases. Uh, from Pakistan also, I I have I have, a, I, have a, I am I've been to Pakistan. I I was born there, and I I I know some of those laws become very very opp- oppressive and too strict. So there's another Another aspect of this question that needs to be understood, and that is that Islam doesn't say that on day one, start punishing people, mm. right, okay. and become really brutal. Okay. What uh, Mirza Tahir Ahmed, again, what he argued is that uh, you have to create a society first. You have to create a culture first. You have to take care of the moral values in a society and improve them. And when they have reached a certain stage, then you start implementing some of these harsher punishments. And that's what we see in the life of Prophet Muhammad. He didn't say on day one, okay, this is what's going to happen. He didn't do that. He created that society, that culture, uh, which which became uh, morally uh, in in a in a much better position over over many years, and then some of the harsher punishments started to be implemented. It did not happen on day one. How do you think that you can measure a the moral morality of a society? How do we measure that? Are there instructions on how to measure that? There, there is no there is no standard way of 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 uh, of, of uh, measuring uh, uh, the morality but it's something that can be observed right uh, if people are uh, you know I mean in, in in today's world we can take surveys 
right? Uh, and we, we, we take surveys all the time about the number of people who believe in God, the number of people who are Christians, the number of people who are becoming atheists, and which is apparently growing, all these things. But in, in the past, I guess it was more uh, general observance of society. Uh, what is their moral conduct? How, how are they dealing with each other? Um, and, and believe it or not, crime rate would, 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 uh, would indicate morality. Right. And if, if it is going down, it means that the moral uh, stature of the society is going up. I, I think that, you know, uh, as you were talking, I'm automatically reminded of, um, you know, there was a blackout in, in Toronto, uh, where, where I am from. Uh, and in 2005, 2006, the electricity was gone out for three days. And I remember that the if you went to McDonald's, there were fights over fries, over burgers. And, you know, in contrast to that, um, I looked at my own community here, um, the the Amdiya Muslim Jamaat, and, you know, we had men who were making dal, lentil soup, and and rice at Langarkhana, going door to door and delivering that. And, you know, there was a stark contrast in how people dealt with hard times. And I think that there's something to be said about the morality of a society or a group of people when they are dealing with hardship or when they are dealing with uh, competitiveness. You know, what happens? Are you still going to retain those animalistic characters of yourself or are you going to move up and down um, those... um, kind of moral standards of, you know, are, are you going to retain the animalistic side or are you going to move up to a greater moral status? Yeah, and, and, and in the light of these things, so a society has to, to be created first, a culture has to be created, which is inclined towards uh, certain morals, and then we take the next step and uh, we punish those uh, who have done something wrong. And even in that punishment by itself, that punishment itself, sorry, the crime itself would be a bigger crime in a society which is more moral, right? The, the greater the morals of a society, the greater the crime, even if it is a small crime in other societies, if a society is, is not moral, then the same crime has lesser value. But if a society is moral, then the same cr- crime is, is, is a bigger crime because it's not a norm in that society. And I think that's what Islam, that's where Islam is coming from, by the way. And, you, you know, as you're talking about this, I'm reminded of this conversation that I had with someone that said, you know, why is it that you could get kicked out in your community or kicked out from your community for attending a or having a mixed wedding? You know, what kind of law is that? I think as you're speaking, what what you're saying to me is that the moral standard of a community when it becomes so high something as small as you know going to a mixed gathering becomes a really big deal and it becomes grounds for punishment because the expectation is a lot more from a group of people or a society where the moral standard is supposedly a lot higher 
I think uh, that is one question uh, and uh, we should deal with it. I think we should uh, dedicate an episode to that and uh, because uh, it's it is a longer part of a longer conversation. So I I will I will uh, not directly respond to this, but I think what, what the conversation that we had today does tie into what we said at the end of our last uh, podcast. Uh, why is that verse about, uh, for instance, about uh, so-called wife beating or chastisement? Uh, why is that even there? And and I think these questions have to be understood uh, from a broader perspective. It's very hard to, for for us to say, okay, there are seven hundred commandments in the Quran. What is the meaning behind each one of them? Right. It's very hard to we can we can talk in principle, we can talk in, 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 in general, but it's very hard to pinpoint certain aspects of certain verses or certain commandments. The the Jews, for instance, have I think six hundred commandments. And they've had the same uh, kinds of discussions over the over many centuries, over some scholars trying to determine what each one of the mitzvot, as they are called, uh, uh, is, is 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 implying and why that commandment is there, and there could be a number of reasons. It's actually left in some cases to human intellect to ponder over these things and to come up with the uh, with the wisdom uh, that may be behind. What we what we we follow Islam in general based on based on many other facts and based on many other proofs of its truthfulness. It's it's a faith is it, it works in a different way. Okay, and I think, you know, that answers the the original question that I'd put out forward of, you know, the what Sam Harris refers to as the horrifying ideas or ideologies of Islam. Uh, well, I, I guess the first response is that some of the ideologies are just incorrect. That's one aspect of it. And the second aspect of it is that those harsh punishments, which do exist in Islam, are more so based on this philosophy that a, a moral society, the standard of that moral society is a lot higher. And if something wrong happens there, the punishment is also as severe. And the third part of that is that if you have a severe punishment for something, then more people are probably not going to do it just based on fear, probably. And I think you can get into a whole debate on d- discussion on, you know, should you deter people based on fear? Should you do that? And I think that, in short, I think you should, because fear is a emotion that humans experience, and we do use emotions to uh, guide or control more or less behavior. That is something we do uh, in human societies. But, you know, I think we have answered this question. And once again, you know, if you do have more doubts, uh, feel free to reach out to us at theconvictionproject at gmail.com. We have received some feedback, which is great. And um, once again, this is The Conviction Project, where we leave you with no doubts about Islam. محمد الرسول الله صلي على نبينا صلي على محمد صلي على حبيبنا صلي